Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Saki. And welcome to... The first edition, the the opener, the season opener to the final yeah. inspection show on Sports Radio 105.7 FM, The Fan. I'm your host, Steve Zotke, along with my trusty sidekick, Jeff Orlowski. How are you doing, sir? Oh, this is like our clash today. The season opener, we finally got cars on the track at Daytona. We're on the track, so to speak, here in beautiful Hales Corners, Wisconsin, ready for action. The greatest racing, auto racing show that generates from Hills Corners. Absolutely. I think so. By far. Yeah. By far. How was your short off season? Eventful, I guess. Yeah, it was eventful. Chasing the kids around. HIPAA HIPAA laws, uh, unfortunately, I can't divulge any more than that, but that's fine. Um, But, yeah, it is a short off season. Uh, It's the only one that really is comparable to that would be golf, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah, golf uh, kind of seems like the NBA and 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 NHL. Yet. Yet, I still have my Facebook friends that bitch about the off season and auto racing. You know, it it's it's really short when you look at it. When you're doing a show, you know, every right. Saturday during the season, it does get long. But uh, but then when when you don't have it, you know, it's the same thing. I I had a, a medical test. I had to fast for one day. I couldn't eat. Okay, that day everything looked great. I had a taste for everything. Sure. You, you tell me I can't do something or I can't watch it. That's all I crave. So you know when it's gone, you want it back. When it's uh, you know the dog days, late summer, and you're like, oh my god, we still got 15 more weeks to go. You know it's a different story. But uh, but yeah, you miss it when it's gone. Yeah, I, I tell you what, it, it's it's even shorter though when you talk about the chili bowl. Oh yeah, it comes in January. Yeah, which is uh, entertaining. I mean, if, if you if you have the means to, if you're if you're retired and you're a racing fan, it's it, it's almost mandatory that you buy that pay per view because I think it's the one of the best deals that's out there. Uh, where you're just it's because now they race Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then all the big stuff happens on Saturday. So. It is just a really, really neat deal. And then a couple weeks after that, you got the Rolex 24. Yeah. 
Yeah, which, it's great. Unfortunately, this year didn't end it the way I really wanted, but I guess it didn't matter. The the finish was pretty much, you know, most likely the the, the race is going to finish, but they had to call it because of, uh, well, yes, it was raining. Yes, it was, but it was actually the flooding on the infield that was the big the big issue. But they only called it like 10 minutes early. Well, yeah, but they've been off the track for a while. So. Well, yeah, they red flagged it for that a couple That was for TV. Hours. But, yeah. I'll play the commercials. Of course. So got to get paid. But uh, looking forward to a really, really fun season uh, upcoming, and uh, it, a lot of a lot of things happening this year. Uh, this year, especially uh, one thing I'm really looking forward to is we got auto racing at the Milwaukee Mile again. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Father's Day. Father's Day weekend. So, uh, you know, and this is one of these things where. I've been getting, there's been a lot of buzz about it. And the, the, the good thing I've been hearing is, is there's a lot of people who may not be a particular super fan of the, what's coming in. And that's the, uh, the ARCA Midwest tour, super late model series. And there's to be other, some, some other touring, touring groups there. And there's a possibility of uh, vintage IndyCars cars being there too. Nice. So Bob Sargent and uh, and the whole crew at Track Enterprises is is working to to kind of put together a package that there's something for uh, everybody there, and and I, it's 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 kind of cool when you see Facebook comments and that that ah you know I'm not I'm not that super big of a of a of a stock car fan but you know I want to show up and support the track, and only good things can happen because you know I, there's a lot of people yeah you know, I was at a dinner in Chicago uh, last weekend. And I got people coming up to me. Yeah, I heard that they were actually tearing. They're in the process of tearing down the grandstands, and these all these rumors that 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 feed and people, you know, hear something, then they tell somebody, "Oh yeah, did you hear they're tearing down the Milwaukee Mile?" I mean, there's people that that thought there was a Menards on there. No, that's Hills Corner <laughs> Speedway that happened to, and that was 15 years ago. But you know, it's it's is it in a good situation? No, I wouldn't say no. I wouldn't say that, but I always look to uh, to what what happened at Gateway, Gate, and I, I was talking to uh, the general manager at Gateway last last weekend, and that track was really close to being subletted and and, and being torn down. And I mean, now it is it, one of the premier yes. events of the IndyCar season. So you know if, if that and they did it the right way. And how did they do it, Jeff? Small events first and started on that road back. So, you know, it, it's, you know, this is a first step to come back. You know, now I'm also involved with an organization that, that we do an event in July there, the Harry Miller uh, Club Meet, which is the first weekend usually after the 4th of July. And so, I mean, there is stuff there. Uh, there's been drag racing, weekly drag racing that's been there during the week. And there's all sorts of things going on there. Uh, so, you know, plus the fair uses it and it generates the most money out of it for parking during during the fair. So, you know, and plus, as far as I know, they still owe money on the grandstands. There, there, there's still you know bonds that need to be paid and whatnot. So, you know, let's keep our fingers crossed and uh, let's you know let's let's hope this thing continues on and when we can build off of this uh, this event. And I hope all the fans out there come and support. Uh, Bob Sargent, Track Enterprises, and, and that ARCA weekend, because I think you might be surprised. It's not going to be just, you know, that, you know, 100 or 150, whatever lap race it's going to be. 
but there'll be other stuff there and it, it's a good way to support and show the state that you know there is still a market for auto racing at the Milwaukee Mile. This is a chance for you know fans to actually do something, support it with your wallet. Yeah, and we're not talking a hundred dollar ticket either. I right. mean, these are going to be reasonably uh, priced tickets. So, well, they already they're going to have my money, and I'm going to take my three kids out there as well. I'm going to try to talk the boss into going. I don't know if she'll go or not, but uh, they got at least four tickets sold between me and my three kids. So looking forward to that, and there's a lot of other things coming, and it should be a fun year uh, coming up uh, on the final inspection show and in um, for auto racing in general in the in the state of Wisconsin and the Midwest for that being because we have a lot of listeners that also listen online uh, throughout the Midwest, and we certainly appreciate them. Uh, but if you're interested, you know, in supporting this event or have ideas for it, you know, I would love to hear from you on Twitter or on our Facebook page. You can follow us on Facebook on the final inspection. Uh, or TFI, the final inspection page on Facebook, and then also on Twitter, we're at SFI1250. That's our old AM dial. Uh, that's our Twitter handle there. Or you can uh, message me directly at Steve Zotke, Z-A-U-T-K-E, on Twitter. Or Jeff, Jeff? On- I'm at Jeff underscore Orlowski, O-R-L-O-S-K-I. So we got a, a fun fun show coming up today too. Uh, we're gonna be when we come back after this break, we'll be talking NASCAR and just kind of what's going on over what's occurred over the last twenty four hours. And we actually have racing that's going to be on TV uh, that you'll be able to watch uh, this uh, this evening and this afternoon. So we'll talk about that racing at Daytona, and then uh, at the bottom of the hour, we'll be talking to Dennis Michelson. From uh, D-Mike Media, looking forward to chatting with him about things in the world of NASCAR. And then at the top of the hour, we'll be talking to uh, David Land uh, from YouTube. So looking forward to that. David always has some interesting things. Make sure you follow and subscribe to his uh, YouTube page on YouTube. Entertaining stuff. He kind of puts everything in perspective. In the world of auto racing, that's why uh, I kind of stumbled upon his page last year and and, and noticed that our, our shows and what he talks about, what we talk about, there's a lot of... Uh, synergy there and uh, we certainly appreciate him coming on and we'll enjoy having him on this upcoming year so should be a fun show a lot of more surprises coming up on the final inspection show after this this is final inspection with steve zaki presented by the legendary great lakes dragaway in union grove on 105.7 fm the fan final inspection show of course brought to you by the legendary great lakes dragway we make sure to get to greatlakesdragway.com and get your 2019 season passes all is good stuff happening on the webpage at greatlakesdragway.com and uh, looking forward to them opening up as soon as they are able to and uh well this week or coming up the next race i guess coming up is the arca 200 at daytona Oh, it's a cool race. I've always kind of liked that race, uh, especially in the past and back in the 70s and that there was always a lot of 
Wisconsin ties. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was real common back in, in back in the olden days where um, uh, a lot of USAC drivers. USAC had a stock car division that was very popular at Milwaukee and in in the Midwest and was very strong. But you did have a lot of crossover not only with some of the the bigger teams in that. Driving in the Daytona 500, you had teams like Norm Nelson Racing would go down. There were Jim Herbie's or Roger McCluskey or whatnot. And then uh, maybe like a Don White would go down there, Ramos, Stott, and those guys, Butch Hartman. Uh, but uh, you'd also have, you know, the, I don't want to say lesser drivers, but maybe at that time less experienced drivers. Uh, you'd have like guys like uh, Paul Feldner, who was from, from Colgate. Uh, he ran down in uh, the ARCA race. Uh, Dave Marcus, before he moved into NASCAR, uh, ran some ARCA races and ran Daytona. And then you had, of course, your stalwarts uh, at Daytona, such as you know Benny Parsons, Ramos Stott, who I mentioned before, uh, Iggy Katona, who uh, at the ungodly age of 57, it was shocking back in 19, what was it, 74, 75, he drove a, an old KK insurance Dodge. Uh, to victory one year, and uh, just an extraordinary driver. Uh, had a very long uh, career, but then you have guys like Jim Sauter, who drove an old uh, Dave Deppy Dodge Charger to victory at Daytona. So a lot of Wisconsin ties uh, to uh, the ARCA race, and uh, looking forward to that. Oh, and then uh, Rick Tackman, a local driver. We had him on the show last year. He's down there with the number two car. That, that made the field down there. So we looking forward to seeing them down there and competing. So uh, I always love the ARCA race. It's 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 your uh, – for a lot of those guys and a lot of those drivers, uh, today will be their first time on a super speedway. And uh, it can make some, some uh, harrowing uh, 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 incidents down there. But, you know, it's one of those things you got to learn. And, and, and this is where a lot of the drivers cut their – super speedway racing teeth isn't it yeah it is and it's funny because you know you can just sit there and while you're watching the race you can tell what cars where the you know where the driver is puckered up real tight (laughs) and uh you see the the way that they handle you know coming out of the corner into the straightaway and stuff like that and you know you could just point and be like oh god look at 47 man that guy is nervous and it's it's really exciting you know like you said, a first chance for some of these guys to get on these super speedways. And, yes, you know, you can tell sometimes, but the racing is exciting as well. You know, it's a good uh, it's a good appetizer for uh, what's to come both later this weekend, uh, you know, with the Clash, and then obviously next weekend when, you know, Xfinity and, you know, the trucks and the 500 and everything take center stage. Yep, and uh... – some interesting storylines out of uh, ARCA this weekend. Uh, Christian Eckes uh, won the pole for Venturini uh, Motorsports. That's not a surprise. They've been strong in ARCA for many years in their Toyotas. Uh, and qualifying second was uh, Thad Moffat, who is the grandson of Richard Petty. Yeah. And um, and then Leilani Munter is also running for Venturini. This is going to be her last race before she retires. Uh, she's been running ARCA for many years. So it, it, it's some interesting drivers in 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 the race. Uh, interesting storylines will be interesting to see. Harrison Burton is racing, of course, uh, son of uh, oh boy, Brett or Ward or Jeff Burton is he? I believe it's Jeff. It is. 
just had a brain fart. I should know that. Natalie Decker, of course. Andy Sice, who's one of these drivers from uh, uh, from the Northeast. And just a real good driver, but just, you know, every time he was in position, the team would they'd have an issue with the team folding or money, sponsor, just one of these guys. He just could never really get his career going. Talented driver, but just, you know, just so frustrating. I always felt kind of bad for him because he is a talented driver. I'm glad uh, he's, he's, he qualified in the top ten for this race. There's uh, always a few drivers like that that you can just watch and. For one reason or another, they're just snake bit, and, and I, he's got that going. One of my favorite names, driver Ken Schrader, racing young kid, Tyler Dipple. Nice, <laughs> it's a great Tyler name. Dipple. <laughs> All right. So, uh, Todd I'm Gil- sure he didn't get bullied as a kid. <laughs> Todd Gilliland, of course, is in this race, uh, and then you have your usual suspects: your Sean Core, uh, Bobby Gerhardt. Oh, and then Dave Mater the third is racing. Dave Mater, he's been running. He ran ARCA in the 80s um, and for, for many years, and it, it's, it's good, to, good to see him in a car once again. We were kind of, me and my buddy were like, wow, Dave Mater. So, and uh, Eric Caldell in the number two car is, is the car with uh, Rick Tackman. You know why there's no Polish people named, you know, why there will never be a Jeff Orlowski the third? Because, you know, Polish <laughs> people, we count one, two, three. And then, you know, it's not the third, it's deterred. So it would be, you know, Je- here's here's my son, Jeff Orlowski, deterred. You know, uh, that's why there will never be a uh, Polish guy, the third. Just won't happen, ever. Coming coming up in the next segment, of course, we got Dennis Michelson from D-Mike Media. And uh, a funny a funny situation occurred of Jeff. Talk about what happened earlier today in practice. Not funny for the drivers involved, but I'll expand on that thought. Well, he had a little uh, a little run in. Uh, Chase Elliott uh, was slow moving. He goes uh, towards the middle of the track. He's trying to fall back. Uh, he ends up getting up into the top line, and there's Ryan Newman. Wait, who, wait, what? Yeah, Ryan Newman. No, it's Ricky Stenhouse. No, now it's Ryan Newman. <laughs> That's why. The, it's uh, that first race of the year where you go, oh, wow, I see Stenhouse. Wait, 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 wait. Wait a second. Well, that's another reason why the Clash is beautiful, because it gets you used to the new numbers and the guys. You know, how long is it going to take us to get used to Truex in the 19? Yeah. You know, that's going to be. Where's the 78 car? It's got to be out there somewhere. Oh, God, it's going to take forever. Yeah. Forever. And, you know, uh, Jamie McMurray, he was the one. Right. For the last 150 years. So, yeah, it's going to take a while, but. But yeah, Newman got into uh, to Chase Elliott. They kind of collect uh, Kevin Harvick uh, as well, and uh, uh, and Denny Hamlin. He got into the action and suffered serious damage. Hamlin oh, and shit. Chase Elliott, they both have to go to backup cars. Newman and Harvick will stick with their original cars, but these are uh, clash cars, not the five hundred cars. Somebody had a flat tire. I forget who now. They actually changed the tire in the back stretch. I love that. Well, yeah, and uh, both with uh, Newman and Harvick's car, uh, they got into the grass, and NASCAR allowed them to change their tires where they were so they didn't have to drive it off the grass and rip their car up. Yeah. And uh, because of that, they're able to to stick with their primary well, cars. you know, and if NASCAR is serious about saving money and being, you know, that, that I like that. I mean, that's... I do, too. If we're going to see a new kind of era NASCAR officiating and kind of... 
doing things for the good of instead of just doing it because we want it that way. That was good to see. Yeah, yeah, it was. It makes sense. You know, it's it's a reason why it's shocking. It's a common sense solution to a very easy NASCAR problem, and they finally woke up and, and took the right steps to uh, to solve it. So kudos to them. Yeah, very good. And, uh, well, let's go over to J-Ski and see what's going on there. I'm waiting for you to jump in here and tell me that it's gone. That Jayski's uh, no more, no mas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no mas Jayski. Yeah, that's sad. That it is. is sad. You know, it's uh, just a bad ending. And uh, what a fantastic website that they were for so long. And uh, we wish all those guys the best. And, you know, they did a f- phenomenal job. Just phenomenal. Yeah, 20, 22 years. And uh, it was started in the early days of the internet. And they say timing is everything, and and that was certainly uh, kudos to uh, to them, and, and well, it was actually him at the time, uh, because it was that one stop shopping kind of where you, you could get all of your information. And the layout was so yeah. user friendly. You go to some of these NASCAR sites, and just trying to find the results from today's race one through forty, you know. It's awful. It is absolutely awful. And, you know, I'm no rocket scientist. That's for uh, sure. Yeah, shocking, you know, breaking news here. But, you know, it's hard for me to figure out half of these sites. JSKI was always so easy. They had so much information there. It, you know, it's it's going to be a big loss, a big loss. But, you know, such as the state at ESPN, you know, God, they've got rid of all their racing guys. Most of them have gone over to Fox now. Uh, which is good, but uh, but yeah, it's sad. It is sad. Plans are being finalized for fan access to the NASCAR Cup garage. This has been an ongoing issue. Uh, we even had this at the Milwaukee Mile back in the day where it's very tough. Um, we had a situation, I think it was with you last year, wasn't it? With you... We're credentialed media people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I sent Jeff up there to get interviews. Yeah, Road America. Uh, it, yeah, I, was, I was interviewing uh, Natalie, I believe. Decker. Yeah, Natalie Decker. And uh, my credential was good for the uh, the press box and the press area, but it did not. I did not get a garage pass. So where I was supposed to interview Natalie, and I had four other interviews all, all lined up, bang, 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 I couldn't get down there, and uh, Natalie and and her her folks were phenomenal to work with. And uh, while I was chasing guys down that worked for for NASCAR to to get me the right pass, so I can get down there and do my job, uh, I missed out on on the four other interviews. But like I said, Natalie Decker and her crew were fantastic to work with, and I at least got an interview with her. So. In, in other words, when the people who are supposed to have garage passes can't even get garage passes, NASCAR is very, has been very stingy with the tracks. Yeah. Because usually it's up to the tracks then to, you know, the, the tracks get a certain amount of garage passes, and those are delved out to the reporters and whatnot. And, and there's certain, re, you know, there's when you're doing that, uh, and why it's, it's good at the track level to do or the local level because – as, as somebody as Jim Tradle used to do that at the Milwaukee Mile, 
and and we we look at you know who should have what you kind of know well because you're you're close to them you you've worked with them throughout the years well you know they're they're doing tv stand-ups and that up we need that and, and they're you know let's put on honest you know if, if there's a guy putting in for a credential for the first time you know if especially for a nascar race it's there's a good chance he's not going to get that garage pass because you only have a very limited amount. So needless to say for fans to get garage passes, it's almost really, really hard unless it is through the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, The teams would have something for sponsors and whatnot. So it's kind of interesting uh, here. I'll just read uh, Dustin Long's uh, uh, report here. Sunday marks the debut of a, of a NASCAR policy that will open the garage, the cup garage at select times for fans. Uh, NASCAR plans to have a similar program at many tracks this season. This has been done in the Xfinity and truck garages. Uh, the, tr- the cup garage will be open to fans from 9.30 to 11.30 at Daytona. Uh, plan- uh, track officials plan to distribute vouchers for those uh, camping in the trucks and blah, blah, blah. Uh, then the truck garage will be open from 4 to 6. Now, I, that is kind of good. There was actually, when I was a kid, you know, I'm kind of envious of, of these kids you see you know, these drivers, you know, five-year-old kid that's, that's up on the pit box and that. When I was a kid, I'm like 12 years old, Yeah, I, I wasn't allowed in the pits even if I was with my father. Right. As, as a, you know, an escort, you know, walking around because we were allowed, I was allowed in the pits as a minor until 10 o'clock or when they filled the, uh, uh, the tanks full of fuel. And then you were out, and then you couldn't leave, or you couldn't come back until those tanks were emptied after the race. So, so the race would end; they'd empty the tanks, and then they'd let you in. So that was usually took about, I think I'm trying to remember, probably a half hour, forty five minutes, and then you could run in and chase around and do what you want to do. So this kind of makes sense because, uh, to be honest, the any NASCAR garage because of how confined it is, it's 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 a I mean, you talk about hot pits, the garages are hot too. I mean, these things are, you got cars coming in and out making adjustments off the track. They don't make the adjustments on pit road. A lot of times they come into the garage area and they're working on the cars, changing springs or whatever they need to do. And these guys are working. I mean, everybody is hustling. It's a time, you know, so I understand them maybe opening up, you know, early in the morning and, and uh, you know, later in the evening. That kind of makes sense, so they can kind of soak in the atmosphere of that and, and, and see. So, I, I uh, kudos NASCAR for doing that, especially for the timing. Because, well, there, I'll tell you what, there is a danger element. Yeah, and we've seen that on TV, especially if you're watching uh, Friday practice on television. You'll see these guys, you know, driving in, into the garages and that, and from the from the between the track and the garage, you'll see these, you know. A guy and a girl walking with their backs to traffic, uh, wandering around, and there's some, you know, Tyler Dipple slamming on the brakes, you know, so they don't get hit. That's why I'm 50-50 on this, because those cars do not enter or leave at reasonable speeds. They are cooking. And uh, you have to keep your head on a swivel. I've been in the pits a ton. I still keep my head on a swivel because you never know. And so... And then last year we had the time where, uh, who was it? It was after a race and Kyle Busch is walking and some fan comes up and gets into a heated argument with him and is yeah. talking crap. 
you know, it's gonna it opens a a big box of, or you know can of worms, yep. and uh, I hope that obviously everything goes well. But this is not one of them slam dunk. This is going to work out fantastic type situations. Well, I can tell you now, there won't be cars coming in and out during this time. This will be during better the, the cold be. pit area, whatever you want to call it. So, um, you know, so you know, early enough in the morning. I mean, because at that time you're going to have the hardcore fans, and and NASCAR always has if they there's only a certain amount they'll let in, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of pit marshals and whatnot in there if they're getting out of hand or they see somebody. You know, you're come on out. So. Yeah. I hope so. The all-time greatest bad timing award goes to the woman at Texas, I believe it was, when Earnhardt Jr. won his first cup race, or or was it at that time Bush race? Senior is up on the hauler, up on top of the trailer, comes down, and is 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 not running, but is at a fast walk going to victory lane. This kid just won his first NASCAR race in either the series or in the cup level. Here comes this woman. And with his all, they got the long, long lens camera, you know, from probably on top of the grandstand, whatever. And you see this woman making the beeline and the guys on TV are like, Oh no, no, no. Sure enough. She's got a piece of paper in her hand. I'm like, you know, and even, even, I think it might, it might've been uh, Jenkins and Benny Parsons maybe, or who knows who, but they're like, you know, there's a time and place for everything. That's not the time. Nope. You know, and that was the most, probably one of the most inappropriate times to ask. Junior or senior was cool. He kind of held up his hand and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a hurry here. Got to go. Yeah. But I, I just couldn't believe that. It's like, really? Are you oblivious to what's going on here? His kid just won his first race. Let him go. So let's go take a break here. When we come back, we'll be talking to Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media. And uh, we'll talk about uh, new drivers and new places. And we'll also talk about the new disqualification rule in NASCAR. That and more coming up on the Final Inspection Show brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now. Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. I like this song. I like it too, yeah. Welcome back to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by the legendary, the great... Great Lakes Dragway. Absolutely. Get your 2019 season passes now. Affordable and awesome. And joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is from Danville, Illinois, Dennis Michelson. Dennis, welcome to the show, sir. Mr. Steve, it is great to be back for another season here on the Final Inspection. And I would be remiss to not mention two of the greatest drivers to come from Danville. That would be Larry Boom Boom Cannon and his brother Steve. Well, we've got another pretty good one now. Uh, of course, he's from Oakwood, which is just down the block. But Bobby Pierce, who's yes. one of the best uh, short track racers, and we saw him at the uh, Eldora Truck Race uh, a few years ago, really making a scene. Uh, Bobby Pierce is from this area as well. He is a good uh, shoe, especially in the late model dirt series. So. Uh, very good, Dennis. And uh, so when you saw the number six 
kind of sliding down the backstretch at uh, Daytona, <laughs> did you go, oh, Stenhouse is in trouble? No, I'm even worse than that. I'm going, my goodness, Mark Martin, Martin you're off to a bad start <laughs> for the season. Yeah, well, that was because Viagra wasn't on the hood of the car still, you know? <laughs> he could have kept it going yeah, straight if that was the case. Whenever I see the six, I'm I'm expecting to see the Valvoline colors. You know, I'm old school, but uh, but now it's I'm having a little trouble. I guess there's like 17 different driver and crew chief changes this year. Uh, you can't tell the players without a scorecard, and I can't even find a good scorecard because Jace keeps missing in action. Yep. I mean, it is it is getting bad around here for NASCAR fans, you know, but. Uh, uh, I will say this one thing that I do want to pass along. I was so thankful because, you know, we're in the media, but we're fans. We're not kidding each other. We're not journalists. We're fans. And when I saw Mr. Bob Pockris get signed by Fox Sports, I was like, thank goodness, because yeah. he's one that covers this uh, this sport so great. And I hated to see with ESPN doing all their cuts that, uh, that Mr. Pockris uh, is going to be with us for another season. That, that was, yeah, that is certainly good news. Uh, speaking of drivers, I guess we should just go right down the line here. Uh, the big one, of course, is uh, the 78 car is gone, Martin Truex, and this one we knew about last year, but, of course, moving to the 19 car of Joe Gibbs Racing. So what what, what do you, th- you think uh, that 19 car hits the ground running with uh, Truex? I think they should, right? I actually think that Martin Truex Jr. should be better this year and the main reason is the last couple of seasons of this you know toyota exchange of information between the 78 car and the uh, joe gibbs racing cars it stopped being as fluid as it had been at the beginning of that relationship so a lot of the key players from that 78 team including his co uh, uh, crew chief cole pern and also his car chief came over and one of his head engineers came over and now they're going to be sharing data and making sure they're getting all the information that all the Toyota teams are getting. So I would expect if anything that he's going to have a better season this year. Well, the reason it stopped being so fluid is because the 78 was whooping their behinds and you know, uh, Joe Gibbs treated furniture row like a redheaded stepchild. And so I think you're right. I think hopefully he goes in, you know, and is looked upon as equal footing as the other teams and not the quote-unquote new guy because, you know, Furniture Row was uh, – they were having their way with Gibbs there for a long time. Yeah, it's pretty amazing the amount of talent that Joe Gibbs Racing has over there. But when you kind of look at their driver lineup and you figure maybe a Denny Hamlin is the third-best driver at his own team now, that's pretty incredible. Incredible, uh, and it's kind of going to be one and one A between Truex Jr. and Kyle Busch. I think that's a good point. Uh, moving forward, oh, and, uh, I forgot, I forgot Bubby Jones from Danville, Illinois, great uh, USAC uh, sprint car driver, still around. Bubby still, uh, in the Indianapolis area, I see him once in a while at lunch. Nice, good guy, in or out and about. Uh, it's the thirty-one. Ryan Newman, of course, we mentioned this before, moves to the number six car, vacated by actually Trevor Brink, Trevor Bain, not actually Ricky Stenhouse. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting move. Um, Ryan Newman got a lot out of that uh, 
that 31 car the last couple of years. I don't think there's any question that Richard Childress Racing, except that the restrictor plate track, is not fielding equipment that was as good as the Toyota teams for sure or uh, some of the top Ford teams. So you put Ryan Newman in a situation where, you know, Trevor Bain, I hated to see him go. He's a good kid and all that kind of stuff, but he just has been underproducing. But so has Roush Benway Racing. It's been, you know, a long time since they've had a driver over there. It's been like four or five years since Greg Biffle was over there and and running in the chase, Uh, since they've had a real legitimate contender. I mean, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has been okay, but have we looked at him as a threat to win every week? I really expect some good things out of Ryan Newman, but I still don't think that Roush Fenway team will be nearly as uh, strong as it could be. Otherwise, heck, Fenway, uh, you know, they would have signed Craig Kimbrell for the uh, Boston Red Sox, so they can't afford all that money. They're certainly not going to spend it on the the racing team, uh, you know, going forward here if they can't afford a relief pitcher for the Bo Sox. And this is a kind of interesting situation. Uh, late last year, you had Matt, Matt Benedetto in the 32 saying, I'm stepping away from the car. I want to be a free agent. I want to see what offers I can get. So he's in the, the 95 that was, of course, last year uh, raced by uh, Casey Kane. And, you know, some people maybe go, oh, yeah, okay, well, good move by him, 95. And I, I said this last year. I said, you know, that 95 car is better and is making increments. I thought they would make a bigger step last year with Casey Kane. Now you wonder with his health issues and whatnot, maybe he wasn't getting all, you know, they weren't getting the performance maybe they were getting. Who knows? But Matt, you know, he, he has a lot of respect in the garage. He's, he's I think, a better driver than uh, the general public may think he is, isn't he? Yeah, I think he is. And if you look at that 95 car traditionally back a few years when Michael McDowell was running it, and then last year with Casey Kane and now with Guido, they call him, because uh, nobody can get the Benedetto right. Um, but when you look at that car, it's always been good at the restrictor plate track. I kind of expect them to be a sleeper for a top 10 finish here. At, uh, at the restrictor plate tracks again this year because uh, Guido's got a pretty good rating at Daytona considering how bad the equipment he's been driving. Mm-hmm. This is a step up, but there is such a have and have not. There's such a split between the top teams and then the other guys in NASCAR, except for the restrictor plate track. I don't think you're going to see him compete, although – Looking at the test that they did out in Vegas with this new rule package for the intermediate tracks, it looked a lot like a restrictor plate racing. So I'm kind of wondering if this season at the intermediate tracks, we're going to see some of the the Levine family racing and some of the other second-tier teams do quite well. And you have, of course, the 41 with uh, Kyle Busch moving over to the number one, Kurt Busch. Uh, we'll go on over to the one, just peeling off that four. Yeah, they're, they they had to move points around and, and everything else to, to make room uh, in the end. But, uh, yeah, it is it is crazy. I mean, we're going to watch the first couple of races here, and we're not going to be sure who's racing what. It's going to be really weird uh, trying to get used to all these uh, new guys and new numbers. 
And then uh, Corey LaJoy, I mean, going from you know going from TriStar over to uh, the 32, which Matt DiBenedetto was in, um, it'll be interesting to see uh, how much bench sheet metal that car gets this year. It's going to be a bunch. <laughs> and it's going to get some uh, some some problems maybe with his facial features. Did you see the car that oh. bring into Daytona? Oh, is it's it? Got yes. face on it. <laughs> yeah. and, and the cool thing is, is when they were getting ready to, to put it in the trailer and they were taking pictures of it, one of the crew guys used some white tape to, to give him like buck teeth it was hilarious but uh but yeah he's that team is another one of these teams that has been sort of out producing their budget in the past i mean i don't expect great things out of them but with this new rule package that nascar has put in and taking more power away from the engines maybe we're gonna see some of these upstarts get lucky at uh, a few of these races just like they do at the restrictor place. So this is going to be a crazy season. And then it's going to be amazing to see what happens in victory lane starting uh, next week for the Daytona 500, because this new, Hey, we're going to really DQ the winner and take a win away. That's something NASCAR hasn't done in, in decades, many years. In fact, let's uh, well, take a, before we get to that one, Dennis, the last one, number 19, Daniel Suarez, he goes to the 41 uh, for Stuart Haas, replacing Kurt Busch. Do you expect Suarez to have a better season this year than he did last season? No, I don't. Uh, it, Daniel Suarez is a very talented driver at the Xfinity level, but he has been a great example of how big of a jump it is from Xfinity to Cup. I don't expect anything more than what we saw out of him the last couple of years. Fair enough. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll talk about disqualifications and more in the, world, in the world of NASCAR when we return after this break. You're listening to the Final Inspection Show brought to you by legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Now, Dennis Michelson of D-Mike Media is here to give us the inside track on NASCAR and the world of short track racing. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is Dennis Michelson. And uh, Dennis, big change coming up in NASCAR for this year. And that is that NASCAR will disqualify winners for failing post-race inspection at the track. And uh, before we jump into that, I want to kind of give a background on this. This goes back many, many, many years ago to Big Bill France Sr., who in the past had a policy of which uh, when when he said, when, when, I, when the fans go see the race on Sunday, I don't want them to read on Monday that instead of uh, Junior Johnson, you know, they saw Junior Johnson win, and then uh, on Monday they read it was actually Rex White or Lee Petty or whoever actually was the winner. He wanted uh, the fans when they left the track to know that the guy the guy they saw winning was actually the winner. And uh, we, there's been a, a big change in that, uh, hasn't there? Yeah, and it's actually quite ironic that he would say that because – he milked the very first Daytona 500 race on the speedway. He milked that photo finish for like three days or four days. 
to make sure it was in the sports stories the whole time before he officially declared a winner. So I always thought that was kind of funny. And the very first strictly stock race back in 1949, uh, the guy was disqualified for having non-stock springs in the car. So this was originally a NASCAR goal, changed, you know, towards the last few years, I guess, that, that Big Bill Frentz. Uh, senior was in charge, Bill France Jr. continued that trend, and it's been that way ever since that we haven't heard about a DQ or, or even a penalty until Wednesday of the, of the, after the race because lately they've been taking the cars back to R&D. Now NASCAR is telling us that they will have a decision on whether a car was legal or not in 90 minutes after the race, and if the top team is disqualified, then they go to the second-place car. If he fails inspection, they'll go to the third, and so on, until they declare a winner. So 90 minutes or so after the race, we'll know whether the second-place team is going to be the winner instead. And then, you know, my big concern is, will they find something that they're not sure of and have to still take something back to R&D? NASCAR always sets up these rules, but I don't think they think through the worst-case scenario. Right, and there's been a couple of situations where, I want to say 1960, Richard Petty won his first race up at Toronto, and he was protested. And the person who yeah. protested his win was his father, Lee, and it was actually taken away from him. So you yeah. got Richard Petty marching past 50 wins, past 100 wins, up past 150 wins, and he's approaching... 200 wins and you know they, they, this this scenario was brought up how ironic it would be if if he hit 199 and and the reason why he doesn't hit uh, 200 was because of lee uh protesting his first win well and then a situation occurred uh in the early early 80s at charlotte when he had a massive oversized engine and won the uh, I think it was then the National 500, if I recall, what right in '83. It wasn't with uh, it wasn't with uh, uh, Petty Motorsports. So I think it was when he was racing for Mike Curb, and uh, the, that was his 198th win, I believe, or 199th, right around there. And they gave him the win because, well, it's Richard Petty, and we want him to hit 200. So I thought that was interesting, and, and it's funny how you mentioned that. You know, we'll go to the next guy and then the next guy. That actually occurred in qualifying at Daytona in 1976. It was, I want to say, Daryl Waltrip, A.J. Foyt, and uh, uh, Dave Marcus, maybe it was. And and it was, uh, they got uh, disqualified. So your front row of the 1976 Daytona 500 was two guys from Iowa, Ramos Stott and Terry Ryan. So I always thought that was kind of interesting. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's, it should be inter interesting to see how this develops over, over the year, uh, this coming year, Dennis. Yeah, and they're also getting out ahead of this because as soon as they announced this, my first thought was, hey, everybody is going to stuff it into the wall while they're doing their post-race burnouts, and then they'll have an excuse if something's a little off-kilter. Now NASCAR is saying that they might implement a – a new process that will not allow burnouts after the race. So everything that they're trying to think of, they're going to have to get out ahead of these crew teams. I think it's a good idea in practice. It's no different, though, 
um, then like the world of outlaws, you go across the scales. If it's legal going across the scales, you get the win. If it's not, you get DQ'd. Um, this is sort of the NASCAR version of this because there's a few more things that they have to check. But, um, again, I think they've been a little too stringent in post-race tech lately. Uh, some of the things that they have caught, it's like, why didn't you catch these things in pre-race? And some of the other things were clearly because of damaged cars, like when Clint Boyer years ago uh, got nailed and, and almost cost him uh, a trip to the playoffs. So there's a lot of different things that have been done over the years where, um, you know, if it's because of damage, I'm not so sure that that car is supposed to be 100% legal because it's not in the pristine shape it was before the 500-mile race. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what they do about post-race uh, burnouts, too. I mean, if you want to, you know, get away with something on your uh, quarter panels, well, just burn, you know, burn them off when you do your uh, burnouts, right? Yeah, and famously, they, you know, remember there was the tape that they caught pre-race at Talladega one year where, um, you know, the crew chief for Jimmy Johnson told him, hey, if you win it, back it into the wall. Um, you know, nobody was sure whether he was joking or not, but, you know, all it takes is a very little minute change that you can make to the car, and all of a sudden it doesn't pass post-race tech. It's going to be interesting to see how they implement this, and I am betting that very quickly into the season we'll see this 90-minute goal be blown away. It'll end up being about three hours. Well, fans of the... Milwaukee Mile may remember there was a situation in 1983 where this happened, and it was, this is where you know this, where sanctioning bodies can get themselves in trouble. Uh, Tom Tom Sneva had won the uh, the Dana 150 uh, uh, cart race at Milwaukee Indy Car Race, and uh, they went into victory lane, and everybody was standing up on the, on the side pods and that, and so when they measured them, they were too low. And everybody's saying, well, we had, you know, like literally 10 people on the car after the race in victory lane. You know, this is ridiculous. And they had to go through. So they, you know, they, they had actually took the the race from him and gave it to uh, Al Unzer, who was in second place. And then, uh, you know, and then they had, uh, you know, they had to have the little tribunal and everything, and they gave it back to Sneva. But, you know, it, it's nobody wants to read about, you know, who the race winner was you know, three months later, like they did with uh, Indianapolis in 1981. So, uh, you know, NASCAR, I, I understand what they're trying to do here, but like like you were saying, that you can also, it, it, it's a slippery road you can get into. Where if you're checking things so closely, you know, are you going to be disqualifying, you know, first, second, third, fourth, and are we going to see somebody like Matt, Matt DiBenedetto win a race here just because the first five cars were disqualified? Yeah, it, it could get crazy. And when it comes to uh, NASCAR crew chiefs, um, all of this is being implemented, of course, because the crew chiefs have been very creative in what they've been doing, and none of the penalties have worked so far. So, you know, this is NASCAR's next attempt to stop it. All right, uh, Dennis. Thank you for joining us. And uh, well, actually, as the you know the Midwest season, the short track season gets going, we'll actually talk more about the short track racing. Right now, it's primarily down south, you know, with the Snowball Derby and 
course, we had the Chili Bowl a couple weeks ago, and uh, we'll certainly chat when we have more time about uh, with the, what's going on in the world of short track racing, Dennis. Yeah, and Milwaukee's got one of their very own that's going to be a hot name in the business, Sam Mayer, uh, who's, uh, whose dad raced IndyCar back in the day. Sam Mayer is going to be one of the stories that we are covering all season long out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in a great driver development program. This kid is likely to be like the next Derek Jones. All right. It'll be interesting to follow uh, his story, and uh, we'll certainly appreciate you coming on the show. We'll chat uh, next week. Sounds good, Z-Man. All right. Thank you. That's Dennis Michelson. Make sure to check out his stuff at D-Mike Media. And when we come back, we'll be talking with David Land from uh, YouTube on, on the Final Inspection Show, brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway. Milwaukee, start your engines. It's time to talk about all things racing. NASCAR, IndyCar, sports cars, and Formula One. This is the Final Inspection Show, presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragaway in Union Grove. Now, here's your host, Steve Zockey. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. It's been a fun show so far, talking NASCAR. This hour, we're going to talk a little bit of NASCAR 2, but also some IndyCar and F1. And joining us is David Land from YouTube. Final inspection. Inspection. Let's check in with the host of the best motorsports channel on YouTube. Now, David Land on the Final Inspection Show. And it's that time of year again. It's the first uh, first show. And uh, joining us on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, it is David Land. Oh, my God. You guys made me an intro? Oh, uh, that was my surprise. Big time. Yeah. Big time. <laughs> That's amazing. Do you ever come in studio and roll out the red carpet, too? <laughs> okay, well, I got to start planning my trip to Road America then, I guess. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, yeah, and if you do that, yeah, it, it's going to be just, the, just, it'll be a little more than just Road America, let me tell you. It'll be uh -oh. the whole, it'll be the whole, not only the whole prime rib, it'll be all the au jus and, uh, and everything, the, the mashed potatoes, the bratwurst, beer, huh? the bratwurst, the beer, the whole nine yards. Yeah. Oh, all right. So, uh, so it's, how does, how does somebody like David Land, uh, get ready for the new season? Well, I mean, it, it never really stops uh, this is the thing that i've kind of realized now kind of being more involved in the motorsports scene it almost seems like it ramps up when there's no cars on track you know you got silly season you've got everybody making their deals behind the scenes you know there's been a lot for me to talk about so it's kind of like I, i've never been unwound i've been wound up this entire winter and now there's finally uh, rubber hitting the road so it's even more exciting now yeah and it, it's it, it's weird because it, you know, we were saying, uh, you know, it, it's ARCA for me, it, it's Daytona, uh, with the ARCAS with the ARCA race that's on later this afternoon, but that's not entirely true because, you know, we have the chili bowl, which is, is gotten to be such a, 
cool event with all the people involved and, and just the amount of drivers in one area from a lot of different well, you know walks of life when it comes to auto racing. But then you have, you know the, the the Rolex twenty four too, which uh, a couple weeks ago was you know it was such a big story once again. What makes that a special race is you have all these different drivers from different series racing in it. So, but it you know it it, it is still tradition. Those are I don't want to call them islands, but the, the, there's I I love I love both of those events. But for me, when things really start kicking, okay, now we're going to go to you know the racing is going to be weekly now. It's 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 this weekend for me. Well, yeah, that's always been the thing. The hardcore fans have always been super super excited about the Chili Bowl and, and the Rolex. And, but once you start, you start bringing all the kind of people who were kind of invested in other sports over the winter, you start bringing them back when uh, Speed Week starts. There's no doubt about that one. Yeah, certainly is. And uh, a lot of, a lot of, what, what's the big story for you uh, for Daytona coming up uh, next week, of course, but also this weekend with the Clash? Well, it's it's going to be nice because the, they just released the entry list, and obviously cars are, I think, practicing right now as we speak. Um, 42 cars, so we're going to have some bumping. Uh, the 125s are going to be uh, worthwhile to watch uh, this year outside of just the general fact that they're usually a demolition derby. Um, we're going to send a couple of guys home, so there's going to be that aspect to it, which was missing last year with only 40 cars. Uh, that's going to be very exciting. The race itself, as we know, is a crapshoot, so who knows exactly what's going to happen and how many cars are going to get torn up and, and who's actually going to end up in victory lane. I'm sure you guys are going to ask me at some point, but <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a lot of stuff happening with, with IndyCar, too. And uh, the one thing that was kind of surprised me uh, w- with your latest episode on YouTube was the, the Paddle Award news. Can I get us up to speed with that, please? Yeah, unfortunately, this it seems to be something that's kind of developed over the last few weeks. Um, the Harding-Steinbrenner team, I think we talked about the, uh, them, you know, on one of the last episodes that came on last year, where um, you had uh, the Steinbrenner family, who was, of course, associated with the New York Yankees and the ownership over there. Um, their uh, kind of heir, George IV, uh, is a big IndyCar guy. He always has been. And he's friends with uh, Colton Herta, their childhood friends. And he kind of helped Colton get up through the road to Indy. And their goal always was to get to IndyCar. And so their their opening avenue to do that was to buy into the Harding Racing Team, which was under some financial uh, struggles last year. They had to uh, kind of get rid of their primary driver, who was uh, Gabby Chavez, and bring in some drivers who had some funding later in the year. Uh, and then when, when the Steinbrenners got involved, they were able to go out and not only hire Colton Herta, that would would have obviously been been a part of the uh, Steinbrenner thing, but they also made a deal with Andretti Autosport uh, to get some technical support and also bring in the Indy Lights champion uh, Pato Award. And of course, um, for people who are in the know, Pato Award is one of the fastest guys, uh, period, out there. I mean, he's he's unbelievable to watch. Uh, he went down to Mexico, his home country, obviously, and, and dominated something called the Race of Champions which is uh, where, uh, a race where they bring guys like uh, Sebastian Vettel and Ryan Hunter-Ray and just like all the best drivers out, out there, and they all race them together. Pato Award was like one of the fastest guys consistently down there. But as it turns out, last couple of weeks, it seems like less and less likely that he is going to be a full-time driver. And um, that's unfortunate. Uh, it seems like the funding's just not going to be there for them to run two cars and 
naturally because of the association Colton Herta has with the team, they're going to go with Colton over over Pato for the uh, for the full season drive at that team. David, all the news that we hear, uh, you know, in all the articles online and social media with NASCAR, everything is negative. Now, IndyCar is going the opposite way. Uh, the ratings are up. There's more interest and everything like that. Do you foresee that continuing IndyCar continuing to grow this season and make gains on NASCAR's tails? Yes, I don't think we should look at one negative story out of 20 positive ones and say, well, that's definitely a downward trend. I mean, NASCAR themselves have actually had some positive stories this week where they've actually gotten the fans fairly excited talking about disqualifying cars that are illegal, something we've talked about on this show before. But at the same time, you still have the the 2019 package that everybody's very upset about and the ratings are still going down and the TV partners are cutting back on their involvement. That's kind of the opposite of what's going on in IndyCar racing. So, yes, this is a negative story, and I don't want to downplay the fact that the Indy Lights champion may not have a ride after they announced he would have a ride. But uh, but there were still 25 cars at Laguna Seca testing this weekend uh, for IndyCar. Uh, that's a, uh, a new track for what is now IndyCar, what used to be the Indy Racing League, and, and it's there's a lot of new new cars, new stars, new tracks uh, coming into IndyCar. The TV partner deal with NBC, uh, a lot of positive momentum over there, and and NASCAR generally doesn't have that right now. We'll have to see. I mean, the Daytona 500 ratings could level out, and that would probably be the best thing for them. But we've seen a, a serious downward trend with the Daytona 500 ratings. They dropped an entire point last year. So um, yeah, we'll we'll just have to see. But the the trends don't seem to match up. That that it's going to change very much. What's your opinion on the IndyCar Gold Pass? Um. Well, I think so. They're they're doing a fifty dollar introductory price to get practice qualifying uh, and race replays. Considering that they were going to put it behind a paywall anyway, uh, I think fifty dollars is probably the right price. I think they said there was something going to be around the effect of two hundred uh, hours of fully produced programming. Uh, and looking at the other kind of NBC gold deals they have out there, it's reasonably priced. Um, but at the same time, uh, if you're an international viewer, and obviously I don't think there's going to be many listening to the show, but it's one of the things that has grown IndyCar over the last couple of years has been having uh, the international audience who may be disillusioned with Formula One or whatever, and they've discovered IndyCar, and They've been able to watch it through YouTube. Obviously, I'm very familiar with that platform and the reach it has. And now a lot of those people are going to be blocked out from from watching and being able to readily and easily pay attention to the series. And I think that um, is probably the biggest loss from the NBC Gold Pass. Not so much the the people who can you know who can buy in 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 the United States. Now certainly there will be some loss from from folks who just don't want to pay for content that was free last year, but um, I don't think it's going to affect as much as, as maybe some people are worrying about in the, in the United States itself. Very good. Uh, David, can you stick through uh, to the next segment? Sure thing. No problem. Excellent. We'll talk more with David Land after this on the Final Inspection Show. Final Inspection. Final Inspection. Let's check in with the host of the best motorsports channel on YouTube. Now, 
David Land on the Final Inspection Show. And welcome back to the Final Inspection Show. Joining us, of course, on the Great Midwest Bank Hotline, and is David Land. And uh, switching gears to Formula One, this one, uh, I, I guess it kind of surprised me because I thought it was going to happen last year, then they didn't do it, and then you kind of forget about it, and you're wondering, okay, now they did it. Now I, should, I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But the we I guess we have a new Formula One team in F1, but it's only by name only. Uh, Alfa Romeo takes over for Sauber. Are you kind of sad losing the Sauber name in F1? Uh, not really. I mean, it, it's really only been Sauber and name only for for years now. I mean, uh, Peter Sauber, the guy who started the team, really hasn't had a whole lot of involvement. Um, it's kind of been uh, other folks running the team. And certainly uh, Fiat, the company that owns both Ferrari and Alfa Romeo, uh, buying into the team uh, last year was definitely an indicator that, that they kind of wanted to turn it into this, the kind of secondary Ferrari team, kind of like we, we see with Red Bull, with Toro Rosso, and then the Red Bull factory team themselves. Um, that's been a formula that's worked very well for a Red Bull, obviously, being able to move drivers up uh, and develop them in what is a very difficult environment to, to develop new drivers, which is Formula One. You know, you throw a young guy in there at, at 17, 18, 19 years old, and if, if they flounder in the first couple of years and they're driving for Red Bull, they, they'll be in trouble. So having that avenue for, for Ferrari, essentially, uh, to do that and also bring a name like Alfa Romeo back into Formula One, which really hasn't been there since the 80s, um, it, you know, it's, it's pretty cool. And new colors for the Haas F1 team. Yeah, uh, very reminiscent of the uh, Mario Andretti Lotuses from uh, 1978. Uh, the world champion car over there, um, the John Player special livery, but uh, this is a, a rich energy livery. Uh, it's it's uh, black and gold. It's like some energy drink company. Um, and as we know, we energy drink companies are, are fairly fickle unless they're named Red Bull. So we don't know how how long it'll be around or whether or not the check's going to bounce. But um, but at the moment, the the car is black and gold, and um, and it's kind of there's some mixed feelings on it. Um, I, I'm not necessarily convinced. The black and gold livery translates to a modern F1 car. I don't know if it necessarily looks good or you can't really read the sponsors on it. But I suppose if they're paying for it, you know, and they want it to be unreadable, whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I kind of agree with you on that. It, it's uh, the cars are. Well, I guess that's what happens when you have a car designed by a computer and not by somebody who says, well, wow, this looks really nice and fast. You know, I mean, it's it, it they've gotten. You know, I, I'm kind of – I want to see the cars on the track before I make a judgment on the wings. I, I heard what you said about the wings being, you know, the new large wings in the back. So, you know, but I, I – I, the multiple element front wings, all that, I just – I don't know. You know, and with the real skinny front, it's – they kind of look bizarre, don't they? Yeah, they do. Well, you'll, you'll be happy if this year they've reduced the amount of elements on the wings significantly this year. Uh, by rule, I think they can only have something like 10 elements versus like the 30 they have. Right, right. So, yeah. so they look a little more clean, but it, it, it's certainly not. Uh, they're, they're, let's just put it this way. They're not the 91 Lotus uh, or the 91 um, Jordan in terms of looks. They're not very clean and they're not very swoopy. They're definitely, they definitely look like Lego cars more than they do, you know. Right, you know. Really I, 70s 
sexy race cars. And I liked, you know, when that, uh, with IndyCar a couple of years ago, when, when they kind of cleaned up the front of the cars, well, it's not only an aesthetic issue, it, it's also a bit of a safety issue because he's, you know, the, they would touch a wheel. Next thing you know, it's a festival of carbon fiber all over, you know, one corner of the track. And, and they were, you know, you had all the, the carbon fiber flying through the air and whatnot. You know, if they, if they went to, uh, even like the old biplane wing or something that they used to have, like you mentioned the Lotus 91 or that, I mean, yeah, things were a lot cleaner, but, uh, but by the nature of the design, you know, they're also, you know, they they didn't tend to break apart as easy, did they? Well, yeah, and and to another point, they're also cleaner aerodynamically. One of the reasons they've kind of gone to these bigger wings and these less complicated wings, and frankly, they should go further in that direction, in my opinion, but uh, they raced better when they, you know, in the 90s and, and sure. 80s and, and when there were less, in the 70s, certainly, when, when there was less aerodynamic dependency on the car, less dirty air coming off the back of it, and less uh, downforce on the front to take away in the first place. So, you, you know, you could race a little bit better. Right. You know, and, you know, it kind of, uh, it's funny, uh, you know, for, for many years, the old ALMS and, and now IMSA series, you know, I thought, I thought about 10 years ago or that when they had the, the, the spider cars, the spider prototypes, those were the, I thought, the ultimate looking car of the modern car. And now they've, you know, added the coupes. I understand why they made that move and everything. But it's funny, my wife was, we're watching the Rolex 24, and she's like, what is up with those, with the rear of the cars with the big fin? And I understand why they do it. It's for advertising and whatnot. But most of their cars didn't have any type of sponsorship on there. You know, if they could just kind of have that fin off the back of the, the engine cowl, follow the, you know, follow the cowl itself, maybe make put put a little movement in there but having that big huge blade it, it aesthetically it looks ugly in my opinion oh it's awful and you know they added those probably god it's almost been 10 years already but they added those probably around whatever 2011 and the idea was that uh there was a lot of you know in the era that we we just talked about with the Porsche RS Spider and the Audi R10, which were by, I completely agree with you, probably the best-looking prototypes ever, in my opinion. Um, when those cars would get sideways, a lot of times they would do blowovers. So they added those those fins down the side of them, hopefully uh, prevent or at least add a lot of drag to prevent that. Now, since then, we've seen a lot of cars take off with sideward uh, spins and contact. So. Are they very effective? No, probably not. But unfortunately, the powers that be are convinced that they're a safety device. So until the powers that be change their mind, I don't think we're going to get rid of them anytime soon. And uh, of course, I, I watched uh, I watched your channel and uh, great channel for those fans. Make sure you su- subscribe to David Land on YouTube. But I, I, I got a I got a little bit of a complaint, minor complaint. You know, now that's done in your office, correct? Yes. Okay. My only request is to rotate the cars behind you. That's my only. I understand the Buddy Lazier <laughs> deal. I know that. But just I like to see, you know, because you got a lot of stuff going on back there. But maybe rotate the stock a little bit. I'd like to see some of your other cars that you have in your collection. Okay. Well, I can do that. Uh, yeah, that's one of those things where, uh, unfortunately, a lot of times the cars that are on the shelf are the ones that don't have boxes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the ones that, that are rare and, you know, you go, oh, 
you know, I got to buy this even though it doesn't have a box. But yeah, you know, that's a good idea. I'll I'll, ro- I'll rotate things every now and then. I'll try to keep it fresh. I, I do have some interesting things that I could could put back there that uh, may may uh, spark some discussion. <laughs> now I do have a question. Though you have one that would be on your left as you're facing the camera. It's a Newman Haas car. Is that a Cristiano Damata car? Uh, well, I've got two of them on the shelves. I sit in front of one of them. Uh, they're both from 1999. They're the Swift. Oh, okay. So I've got a Christian Fittipaldi. Okay. Uh, and then the one you probably have seen is uh, the Michael Andretti that is uh, from 99. Yeah. I was yeah. thinking it was a little bit later. So Okay, very good. They never they never made a Damata. I'm so disappointed because, um, because that car in particular, the Lola that he won the championship with, is so beautiful. But they never made it, so it's just not possible to buy. You know, I know a guy who does that. Well, I should say no, Emma. Yeah, yeah. He's he's actually there's a guy in, in Indy that actually converts. He'll convert a diecast to whatever car you want. I'm sure it's quite pricey. Ooh. I'm not sure exactly, but I've seen some of his work. He does some. He's done some of the um, um, the Indy cars, like the Roadsters or some of the Eagles, and he's he's done some custom custom cars. It's pretty nice. So, but. On another, on an, so uh, what's coming up? Uh, what will we see on the David Land Channel coming up? Well, obviously, this month is pretty NASCAR heavy, especially this coming week. Um, Going to get the uh, what I describe as a bandwagoner's guide uh, to the Daytona 500, and what that is is uh, kind of the the classic thing that the TV networks for some reason neglect to do these days, which is just go through the field, show you what the car looks like, tell tell you a little bit about each of the 42 competitors. Um, and you can learn about the drivers and find out who's who's actually in in the freaking race, which seems to be something that's very difficult for for the people who cover NASCAR. Despite the fact that they, you know, have 20 hours of coverage, they don't ever get around to talking about the guys in the back of the field and even some of the guys in the front. So that's what I do um, for that. And, uh, that's that's usually a very popular video. A lot of people like that stuff. And then we'll just be uh, you know talking Daytona for this week. Um, and if anything breaks in the world of IndyCar or F1, we'll be talking about that as well. Excellent. Well, David, we certainly appreciate you coming on the show, and we'll look forward to chatting with you in the future. Absolutely. I can't wait. All right. That was David Land. from. Uh, on his, make sure to check out his YouTube channel, David Land. That's L-A-N-D. And uh, when we come back, we'll be talking more racing on the Final Inspection Show. To the final inspection show. I'm your host, Steve Zotke, along with Jeff Orlowski. How are we doing, Jeff? Oh, fantastic, Steve. I'm it's good to be back. Sun's out. Yep, sun's out. Cars are out. Oh, it's good. It's cold, but Daytona means spring is on the way. Order up some chicken wings and watch the Arca race. And... I just got an air fryer. I haven't tried it yet. Really? Yeah, for Christmas. So uh, I think I might try some wings in there. Air fryer. It's supposedly a healthier way to deep fry food. So you do it by air. You know, you can throw a little bit of oil in there, but it's not where you're completely submerging everything in boiling oil. So it's in like a like a kettle type thing, or Uh, I haven't even opened a box yet. The Uh, big thing around here last year, I mean, 
maybe the year before the pressure cooker. Yeah, I've got one of those. Everybody was talking. Everybody had one of those except for me. I used it about four times, and that thing is collecting dust. Oh, is it like? Is it gone the way of the bread makers? Pretty much, you know, it was cool, and it uh, it made things really fast. The meals that I tried on it were good. Uh, I just don't think about it. You know what I mean? I just well, I brought it up to my wife Susan, and she was like, "Uh, "No, no, no." No pressure cooker. I'm like, all right. It's like, yeah, I don't know. So somewhere along the life, a pressure cooker must have wronged her somewhere along the line. My wife is kind of the same way. She's always worried it's going to blow up. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I made macaroni and cheese in there one time in the pressure cooker, the Instapot or whatever it's called. And uh, it took about six minutes from raw pasta to done. That's so amazing. it was awesome. It was awesome. My kids, you know. Like, yeah, I've just started dinner, and they all start whining. Oh, well, I'm starving. I'm starving. Yeah, it's done now. I can't tell you how many times I've come home from work. Uh, so well, what are we doing? Did you thaw you know, any meat? No, everything's frozen. It's like, well, that would be nice to have a pressure cooker, and we can throw in something. And yeah. It's done in an hour. You know? It is nice because, you know, you, like you said, you can throw frozen stuff in there, and it defrosts it and cooks it at the same time. It It's convenient. I just... I never got into the habit of using it enough, and so now it just kind of collects dust. And the microphone smells again. Uh-oh. Yeah, I hate doing that happens. What is your mic? That sparky seat. Yeah, I know. Smell it's like usually, Mickey Mouse? I don't know what it smells like. Bowling alley? It's, I don't know. You can't blame it on Rami and the hummus anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we got rookies this year in NASCAR. We in do. The, in the Cup Series. Yeah, we got three and a half, I guess. I, I think I think your favorite's going to be the number eight, Daniel Hemrick. Uh, we also have Ryan Priest in the 47. Matt Tift in the 36. He's a good story. Uh, and then they also have 97, Tanner Berryhill. But uh, they announced a big sponsor, a big, hey, we're going to go with Daytona. Hey, this and that. And then Daytona comes and. Yeah, it's like two days after they the, announced the, they pull out. Oh, Boyko Racing, who uh, fans in the area may remember that Josh Balicki did some races with them. And the good news with Josh Balicki is, is he is running in the Xfinity Series and uh, once again waiting to the last moment. And uh, he's racing with RSS Racing, the number 38 car in the Xfinity Series. So good to see. You know, it, it's so tough for these young drivers nowadays. For what 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 Josh has been able to do is really quite extraordinary. A kid from Wisconsin, and to to be able to be a viable driver and to be racing in in you know what he's been able to do last couple of years, you know, from a road racing background, switching over to NASCAR, which is very tough, and and to you know be getting seat time, it's tough. It really is. Yeah, it is fantastic, and congratulations to him. The uh... You know, the the bad part, like you said, is that it wasn't announced right away, so he's kind of playing catch-up now when, you know, he didn't have a full off-season with the team to get the communication down and all that kind of stuff. So it would be nice for him to have uh, a full season with an actual true shot. You know what I mean? Right. The true spring training and practice and getting used to your spotter and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, he is coming, uh, starting out a little bit behind the eight ball. But, you know, if anybody can do it, you know, Josh Balicki, he sat there and this isn't the first time that, that the odds have been stacked against him. 
And every time they are, he keeps coming out on top. So I don't expect this to be any different. I think he's going to hit the ground running. Obviously, he's 110% focused and eye on the ball and raring to go. I expect good things for him this year. And kudos to uh, Dave Coleman of the Journal Sentinel once again. Getting still on that motorsports beat. And, uh, you know, it's tough for the print media out there and that. And But I love his stuff, his online stuff and that. And, uh, you know, tip of the hat to Dave once again. Uh, always good to read his stuff in the Journal Sentinel, and uh, we hope to have him on the show again sometime during this year. Um, yeah, and see him out at some races like we did uh, yeah. last year too. So certainly, yeah, yeah. Keep it up, keep up the good work, Dave. Much yeah. appreciated. So uh, going into this year, uh, what, what? I mean, not not just NASCAR, but overall, what 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 are you looking to do? I know one thing I try and do every year is go to a different track. Okay. So new track, like last year for me, it was Gateway. Uh, year before that was, I forget, but we got dead air now. Uh, but you know, in the past, like Sebring, I've added, uh, Gateway, um, there's a few others, Menominee, or, uh, uh, not Menominee, uh, the one, their track up north we went to. Uh, you weren't there, but I went up there with, uh, met the Bill Baylog crew, uh, that they shut down. Oh, uh, I'm having a brain for Well, they shut. Manitowoc. Okay. Yeah, the Manitowoc yeah. racetrack. Well, that Never had gotten a into... chance. Yeah, now it's a Kroger or something. Yeah. So, but yeah, it just, you know, I always do, I, I think as, uh, as a fan, that's something that's always fun to do. Go to a new track, try and somewhere, whether it's a local track, a national track, you always do that. Yeah. You know, mine is to get to more of these short track races. I went to a bunch last season uh, up in Sheboygan. Uh, I always go to the hill in Sturgeon Bay. That's right by my house up there. So uh, I try to plan, you know, when my wife gets the, the itch to go up there, I look when the track is running sure. and try to make sure that we're there at the same time. Uh, so, you know, definitely a lot more of the short tracks. One of my goals this season is to give road racing more of a chance mm -hmm. uh you know i'm an oval guy and uh so i want to try to see if i can like it more um but that's going to be tough so you know especially live because when i'm live i want to see the whole track you know i want to be and because it, i don't just sit there and when i go to a race i don't just i don't watch the leaders 95% of the time. I'm watching middle of the pack. I'm watching the end of the pack, you know, uh, guys and stuff like that. And uh, I don't want to just go go to a race and see guys go through three turns and then have to wait a minute and a half for them to come back around. And then they're driving so damn fast, I don't know who the hell it was. <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm going to go into this season with more of an open mind when it comes to the road racing uh, I, you know, like I said, do I think I, I'm going to be 100% sold? Maybe not, but I'm going to try. I'm hoping to get out to Monterey this year. See, I don't. I haven't been there in over 10 years. We're that's, in a different tax a bracket because I can't do those trips. That's a track where you can almost see the whole race. If you go up kind of behind the grandstand, uh, there's a hill there. You can almost see the whole track. Nice. Yeah, I would enjoy that then. But, you know, I don't have the disposable income you've oh, got. Oh, please. You know, if I, get, I had your money, I'd throw mine away. I got three three kids and tons of bills. So, 
It. Uh, I don't have. Uh, I don't have uh, Zaki money. I've got uh, crumbs. 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 All right. On that, uh, I'm going to count my money during this commercial break, and then when we return, we'll be talking more. And we're actually going to. Uh, there is an announcement. Uh, I guess you could call us. Maybe we'll call this the Arca Show. Uh, there's an announcement made uh, about the future of the Arca series, which was purchased by NASCAR last year. So uh, we're going to play a little bit of that coming up next, and we'll have more, uh, some more gossip and news on the final inspection news brought to you by Great Lakes Dragway. This is Final Inspection with Steve Zaki. Presented by the legendary Great Lakes Dragway in Union Grove. On 105.7 FM, The Fan. back to the final inspection show fun show so far I'd like to thank uh, Dennis Michelson from D Mike Media for coming on and also David Land uh, for also coming on in the second hour and uh, pretty cool announcement uh, there's been always some you know you always get worried about when sanction or when uh, groups or that get purchased by other groups and whatnot you're always worried about what's going on with their future kind of a cool announcement uh from uh, earlier today or yesterday, was it, uh, Jeff? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had Mike Helton, obviously, from NASCAR, John Menard, uh, talking about some sponsorship uh, with ARCA. So here is that press conference from uh, that took place yesterday down at Daytona. Everyone's attention. We'll continue our media availabilities here at uh, Daytona International Speedway with a very special announcement. The ARCA Racing Series and Menards have signed an extension on their 10-year partnership. And this announcement builds upon Menard's current deal as the presenting sponsor, elevating them to uh, that brand to an entitlement position. So effective immediately, the series will now be the ARCA Menard Series. Joining Joining us this afternoon to talk about this are Mr. John Menard Jr., founder of Menards, Ron Drager, the president of ARCA, and Mike Helton, vice chairman of NASCAR. I'll start with you, Ron. Uh, Ark and Menards have had a 10-year partnership. How can we expect that partnership to evolve uh, now that they are in the entitlement position? Well, thanks, Tom. Uh, the biggest difference, you know, for 10 years, we've established a great relationship with John and, and all the Menards folks. Uh, over that period of time, uh, we've been working on one-year agreements. This will be a multi-year agreement, and I think it just provides us an opportunity to do more strategic planning uh, looking ahead a little further and maybe expanding the way that, that the relationship has grown and open up some new opportunities. John, how does assuming an entitlement position now uh, benefit your company and build upon the, the relationship you have with ARCA? Well, we, uh, we've been with ARCA a long time, and, and uh, you know we're a Midwest-based company, and ARCA has strong ties to the Midwest. So our customers in the Midwest uh, uh, shop our stores, attend ARCA races, and we really like the idea that we can have a longer-term relationship, that we can have uh, more things that will carry on from year to year that we can build on. I think it's just going to be a, a really a lot better business relationship and allow us to do more for our customers and ARCA fans. And, Mike, what does having a brand like Menards expand their involvement in the sport mean overall for stock car racing? Well, it, it, it means a lot. First of all, John's no stranger to motorsports. He's been in it 
for a long time. So for Menards to step up with the ARCA relationship, I think is indicative and complementary to the decision that uh, Jim France and Lisa Kennedy had to bring ARCA officially into the NASCAR family. And if, as we move around and we get the opportunity to go to Midwestern racetracks and you, you, you see a Menard store and you're familiar with the name, but when you, when you go experience his retail experience, you know that that relationship is going to be really good for the motorsports industry and, and we'll do everything we need to do to deliver from our side. But, uh, I'm excited about it because I think the Menards name is is tremendously respected in the motorsports industry, but but their customers are our customers. They're they're hardworking, do-it-yourself individuals uh, that that I think we complement each other very well. All righty, thank you, gentlemen. Uh, we'll open it up for questions for a few minutes. We'll start over here on the far right with Claire B. Lang. I have a question for John Menard, and it is really, uh, you have been committed to NASCAR for quite a long time, and this this launch into even a bigger commitment, what have you found that the payback has been for Menards to be associated with NASCAR that caused you to step up now? Well, I think it's a big opportunity for us to get our brand in front of people that we believe are our core customer, our, our core customer, our demographic tends to be a little bit older. Uh, it tends to be uh, guys that uh, that do things, that work with their hands, that uh, that are do-it-yourselfers by nature. And uh, this will allow us to connect on a lot better basis with them. And I think the multi-year opportunity is, is really good for us because we can make some plans to uh, help with ticket sales, to help with promotions, to help with hospitality that we couldn't do otherwise uh, on a year-to-year basis. So the year-to-year relationship, we're no strangers at this table at all, but the year-to-year relationship has been very good. We're really looking forward to a little more of NASCAR's expertise, being uh, uh, more resources available to our cup and more resources available to us, and in turn, um, I think it's going to really work out well. We'll go right here in the middle to Zach Albert. As Zach Albert, NASCAR.com, for Mike or Ron. Um, the, the ARCA and NASCAR deal came together. It's been a little, uh, almost a year now. Um, what has the relationship been like thus far, and how, how wide open is it for you guys to develop and to grow in the future? I think I'll, I'll just defer back to John's uh, reference that there's there's no strangers at the table. Um, you know, our, we're a 67-year-old company. Uh, for 66 years, we were a family-owned company, and we had a relationship with NASCAR that was tremendously uh, beneficial to us. And in many cases, uh, ARCA benefited so greatly from that relationship that it just sort of made sense our families were, were friends before there was ever a NASCAR or an ARCA. So to be able to, to become an official part of the platform, uh, to officially be a, a NASCAR property, um, everything that has happened since that point in time has been a positive. And we would, I would venture to say, uh, as hard as, as Mark Gundram and Bob Duval have worked with the Menards folks, uh, we would not be sitting at this table making this announcement had we not been uh, an, an NASCAR property. And, and the other big key message that unfolded last May in Talladega was that 
Jim France, Lisa Kennedy, the France family are serious about racing opportunities in all forms of motorsports, at all levels of motorsports. So the ARCA folding into NASCAR family gives NASCAR and ARCA both the opportunity to join forces and provide opportunities at multiple levels uh, that are reasonable to participate in whatever level of racing you want to participate in, and that's a big piece of that puzzle. John Menard just put another big piece of that puzzle together for us to help to make the whole picture clear. We'll stay in the middle right here and go to Chris Knight. KirstNightCatchFence.com. Mike, just following up a little bit, I want you to just talk about with ARCA now falling under the NASCAR platform, you also have a Midwest presence for not only ARCA, but also for Menards. Can you talk about how much of that will do for the grassroots teams and obviously the fans that want to have that Midwest presence? Well, to start with, I, I, I use the term that NASCAR is now under the ARCA umbrella when it comes to the Midwestern racing platform and style. And, and Ron's done a tremendous job of building a very specific uh, group of stock car opportunities. And Menards is critical to that. And now with the combination of the announcements we've made, uh, I think our story just unfold better and better as we go along. And that consolidation of all of us, uh, I think just gives the motorsports industry and those that want to participate in it, drivers, crew members, team owners, fans, racetracks, it gives that group an opportunity to be in, to be, participate in stock car racing, and I think that's that's a great spoke to the future. We'll go right up front here to Lee Spencer. Lee Spencer, RacingBoys.com. Speaking about the future, we're going to be going to a new car in a couple of years. How can we make it cost efficient for um, ARCA teams to? make use of what cars that we have now and kind of, you know, pass them on at, to cut down costs in the process? Well, I, I, I think as, as all of this blends together, Steve O'Donnell and his group and Ron and his group and everybody else at NASCAR levels have the opportunity to consolidate those efforts and make decisions that are healthy for every level of motorsports from today on. And I, I think that's, a, that's one of the big opportunities that, that we're, we're sitting here talking about. We'll go back to Claire for one final question. I have another question for John Menard. Can you talk about how you initially got into NASCAR? What kick-started you and Menards to get into NASCAR that led to this growth? You know, take us back to the beginning. Wow, that's a long time ago already. Um, it was Brian Refner and the Truck Series, as I recall, and you being from Wisconsin probably know the Refners. Yep. And... Uh, uh, we were running Indy cars and uh, kind of knew that the there was a big shift among at least our customers that were interested in NASCAR. Thought NASCAR was was a very cool organization, which it is. And uh, anyway, got together with Brian and uh, took a, a, a series uh, or, a, or rather the team from uh, the parts of the team from Richard Childress and. Uh, Put it all together anyway we went truck racing and uh we're fortunate enough to win a race down in texas so we thought wow we're pretty smart guys you know i mean coming over from indycar won a truck race well then we spent the whole night i think taking the engine apart uh down there and finally passed uh, thank god and uh thought well this might be a little harder we thought 
And uh, of course, we we uh, we kind of went from there. And uh, but but actually, Brian got us into it way back when. I mean, that was the and Richard Childers. So it's been a long time ago. All right, Menards going to sponsor the Arca series. That making more of an investment in NASCAR. That's fantastic. That's good because uh, you know I've always been a fan of the Arca series. In a way, it's kind of a throwback series. And they've been working, they've been trying things, you know, with the crate motors and whatnot, trying to to make it easier for guys to get in. It's still tough, it's still pricey, but and there's kind of a the unfortunate thing right now, you won't see it too much uh this weekend, but as, as they go through the series, there's kind of a haves, haves and haves nots. There's a kind of either you're gonna race for the win or you ain't. And uh but you know, it, there's ebbs and flows in racing series, and it, it, it's but it, it's a good series. They need it. There's always been some criticism on that. On you know, well, should they be get you know, should they be running at Daytona until they get well? The guys gotta get their experience. They gotta you know, and you know, it's just part of the deal. So, looking forward to the race this afternoon, and uh, looking forward to doing the show this year. Absolutely. So uh, we look forward next week. Uh, we'll be talking with Eddie Lapine. Uh, we'll be getting, uh, we're going to be doing a thing. We kind of started it last year. We want to kind of move, do a little more of a thing with, uh, kind of the pick of the week with, uh, with, uh, with the NASCAR, not only the NASCAR series, but as we move forward and kind of other series and we might be doing some contests or something. We don't know yet. We got to kind of feel how things go. So looking forward to that. And of course, David Hobbs will be joining us too. Formula One expert, so looking chatting once again with David Hobbs this year on the Final Inspection Show. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic. Hobbs, Land, Lapine, pretty much, you know, most weeks it's going to be great. Don't forget Dennis. So thank you for listening to the Final Inspection Show. Don't forget to like us on uh, and follow us on Radio.com too and on Twitter, and we'll talk to you next week. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.